For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the newest edition of the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Eli Hoff, the Mizzou sports beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com. I'm joined today by a man who uh, who has some thoughts on what the Cardinals have been doing from a pitching acquisition standpoint. He's Ben Fredrickson, the columnist for the Post-Dispatch. You've heard him on this podcast before. Ben, how are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Good to be with you and good to be back on the on the revamped Eye on the Tigers podcast here. Um, things are good. Uh, I'm doing much better than the Missouri men's basketball team this morning. And uh, but maybe not as good as the Missouri football team. So somewhere in the middle, you know, kind of in the middle between uh, how Eli Drinkwitz is probably feeling and, and how Dennis Gates is probably feeling this morning. So a rather a rather pedestrian mood is, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I try to stay in the middle, man. Not too high, not too low. The, the coaches like to use that cliche, but uh, there's there's some truth in that. Yeah, there is. There is. There is. So we ha- we have to start out by talking about Mizzou football. Uh, an, an updated CFP ranking will probably come up by the time a lot of you are listening uh, to this episode. Uh, but they they rank number nine. Go in. Florida comes to Faroe Field. It's a, it's a night game. Uh, ESPN. All the all the fixins there. Tigers keep it keep it close most of the game. Or I guess it's maybe more that the Gators kept it close most of the game, depending how you want to look at that. Comes down to a, a final Mizzou drive. Ninety six seconds on the clock. They they go down the field. It looks like it. It, it looks like the end of the road might have been there. Fourth down and seventeen. Mizzou manages to find a way to convert it. They end up with enough time that not only do they set up a Harrison Movies field goal, they're actually able to to move it into chip shot range for him. No sixty yarders this time. Uh, he makes the game winning field goal. Mizzou wins thirty three thirty one over the Gators. They move to nine and two on the season. It means uh, this upcoming Fridays game against Arkansas is a chance to get to 10 wins for the first time since 2013 big win for the Tigers Ben you were there you, you talked to the folks after you saw it play out what, what's kind of your your top line takeaways from that pretty dramatic win well there's takeaways from the game individually and then there's the looking forward takeaways and how it protected a lot of what this team says it wants to play for but starting with the game specifically I thought it was really a, a testament to this team's resiliency, man. Um, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect. There were times, many times, where it looked like they were going to to let the air out of what had been a really good season. This would have been a disappointing loss. I mean, let's not uh, let's 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 not let's not sugarcoat it. Like they would have they would have gone from a team that was squarely in the mix for a New Year's Six bowl game to a team that that lost its final home game of the season against a Florida team that has not even come close to living up to expectations for Billy Napier's second season. Um, and, and that would have been a real a real kind of uh, downer to, to end the, the home slate, which has included five consecutive sellouts. Instead, I think one of their I – mean, put Kansas State in there too, but one of their more resilient – one of their most resilient wins of the season, a lot of chances where this game could have gone off the rails – and it didn't. Um, this team, unlike some zoo teams in the past, finds ways to win games. Some zoo teams in the past have found ways to lose games. And this team has 
a confidence that that is bigger and better than those teams. An ability, yes, that is better, but also a belief in itself. I thought that was evident in a lot of ways. Eli Drinkwitz trusting his defense to hold Florida to a field goal on a day where they had allowed, you know, uh, 500 yards, um, and they did it. They came through. Darius Robinson was not happy with how he played, but he made a huge tackle on that drive before Florida had to settle for a field goal. Costly mental mistake for Florida to go out of bounds there. Gives Mizzou more time. Then you have, of course, the fourth and 17. Nobody in the world probably thought Mizzou had a chance of converting that, except for the players on the sideline, the coaches in the box, and they do. And then after they convert the fourth and 17 to put themselves in, you know, cross your fingers, Harrison Mevis range, instead of just playing for the for a long distance field goal, Eli Drinkwitz, Kirby Moore, they they call multiple pass plays that give them that take a long field goal to a 30 yarder in the middle of the field, completing multiple passes after that. Faith in Brady Cook, Cook coming through with I think some of the strongest, most accurate throws we've seen from him um, in weeks. And of course, Luther Burden making big plays and other receivers after that. They coached and played with the sense of we're not out of this. The game's not over. Let's go win this thing. And I think uh, some Missouri teams previously, maybe even this one, we heard a lot of guys say this, this, this game last year would have been a loss. And, and I think it showed, I think it showed how far they've come on the other side. I think it showed how Missouri's defense is beat up <laughs> and then they're missing their linebackers. That's going to be a concern against Arkansas. KJ Jefferson, really good running quarterback. I thought Florida looked pretty good, man. Um, better than they've looked often this season. It makes me wonder how they're going to play against Florida State with uh, the key injury that Seminoles have had. But I thought most importantly, you know, the number one takeaway was that this team is not only good, it's tough, it's resilient, and you're going to have to you're going to have to beat them, and they're going to get back up. And I think that has been kind of a what we've seen from them over the course of the season. Yeah, I think you're you're right on there and and this the win my, my stance on it really actually has has evolved since it happened right when it happened it, it kind of just seemed like you know obviously some some great playmaking down the stretch but Mizzou you know dodged the upset dodged the trap game just it was it felt like kind of an escape game in the moment but looking looking back on it and, and watching back some of the tape from it just talking to the players and, and drink what's after it feels like actually one of the more defining wins of the season. Uh, I think the Tennessee win is the defining win. Then maybe, maybe you put Kentucky there. And then, and then this one may actually be number three for, for kind of a strange couple of reasons. One, it, it avenged a couple of things. It avenged losing to, to Florida last year. It also avenged two of the close losses, the two, the only two losses of the season that were close losses where, the team had a crunch time, got to get something here drive in against LSU and at Georgia. In both of those situations, Brady Cook threw interceptions. Bad ones. Bad interceptions. This time, he completes a heck of a pass on fourth and 17 to find Bird in there. You know, that that moment, I think, means something in that sense. That, that Just in that specific scenario, they found a way to win. Should they have been in that situation against Florida? Probably not. But once they were in that situation, they got out of it. And I think also, and, and I, I wrote about this in a, in a piece that uh, that went up on, on Tuesday on our site, but there were a couple of moments where play type, play situations that were points of emphasis all the way back in August, all the way back in preseason camp, where those showed up in this game. They showed up with the takeaways of JC Carlisle, the safety, getting an interception that was a, a really great grab. I, 
I think that's kind of gone under the radar. And defensive tackle Christian Williams, who just absolutely blows through the offensive line. I mean, he did he did a swim move. It looked like he was just swimming through water, like there was a tackling down in front of him. He's crouched on the other side of the offensive line when he he gets lucky and, and there's a, a bad fake handoff from the Florida backup quarterback and the ball hits the ground. Boom, he jumps on it. Getting turnovers like that, that's what this team has been really, really trying to drill into the defense since preseason camp, both of those things, getting interceptions and jumping on the ball, see ball, get ball, that sort of mentality. And then you see just a couple of plays later, there goes Theo Weiss down the sideline, getting probably the best blocks that Luther Burden and Mookie Cooper have ever laid down in their entire careers. And that's something I, I remember vividly. There was a, a press conference during preseason camp where, where Eli Drinkwitz came in and, and he just, he was not, not in a good mood. It had not been a good day of practice. And the problem had been wide receiver blocking. And, and the phrase he said that day that, that has just kept coming back is no block, no rock. That if these wide receivers weren't going to block, you know, again, I, I don't know if that was sort of a, like a parent saying, I'll pull this car over right now, you know, that sort of thing. But he he certainly seemed like he was he was uh, ready to to not be thrown to some of those guys on the perimeter. But you, you see a play like that, it works. So, so many of those things that have kind of been maybe the question marks or the talking points or the coaching points throughout this season – kind of came together in that Florida win. Uh, again, probably shouldn't have been in that situation. The, the defense, you know, was was suspect for a lot of that game. Uh, but just those couple moments, I think, mean a lot to this team. Absolutely. How they they had the small details on their side. Um, and also they, they had this belief in themselves that they could get it done. Um, I, I think of the, the, to me, what really stood out was the play calling, the coaching emphasis in the press box, what we we watch the game and we go, okay, what 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 would we do? And there was some chatter, and it's it was fair to discuss. Do you let do you let Florida score a touchdown because the defense hadn't stopped them? And they, I thought Florida did a good job of running a lot of misdirection, eye candy type stuff that really distracted those replacement reserve linebackers. Missouri was without its top two linebackers, and you you saw it. Florida was sloppy at times, too many penalties. But the one thing they did well was they targeted that part of the field. So we're going to try to take advantage of these guys. And it worked. Um, and that's going to be a focus for Mizzou moving forward for the bowl game. We'll see, you know, if Tyron Hopper plays against Arkansas short week here. But, uh, you know, Chuck Hicks has done well. But it's it's you lose your top two starting linebackers and, and you're going to notice it. And I thought Florida targeted that not only with how they kind of doctored up some look over here okay now we're running over here type plays but also some like delayed passes that got out to the flats and those shallow crosses over the middle they were targeting those guys so would do you let them score and try to get more time well good luck getting a defensive effort from this team if at arkansas if you tell this defense which at times has been the strength of this team to say hey just let them walk in the end zone like those things have corrosive effects on a team and this isn't madden i mean you these are people and if you tell them we don't believe in you to get a stop to hold these guys to a field goal, that that will have an effect that, that maybe goes beyond one game. Same thing if if Brady Cook completes that pass on fourth and seventeen and they say, Okay, shut it down. Okay, let's just let's just let's just kick the field goal now. You know Brady Cook in his mind is thinking, I just made the play that nobody thought I could make. You don't expect me, you don't trust me to try to get ten more yards, to try to get try to get to try to make that that field goal a thirty yarder. I, I trust me to make the right throw or to throw it out of bounds. And they did. And there was no hesitation that Eli managed his timeouts well, but also showed confidence in his players. Because if you start wavering in your team at that point, they know. I mean, these guys sense that stuff and that has an effect on the game. So 
the little details, the emphasis, the blocking, the put being in the right spot to create a fumble 100%, but also the mental side of I they there was never I don't think a doubt in their mind that they would have a chance to to win that game and I did get the sense we were walking down to the post game you and I were and there's this is the most Mizzou thing ever you get a, a win at home um, and you're 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 cruising you're a top ten college football playoff team it's exactly where Mizzou thinks their football program should be and there's a Mizzou fan next to us and he tells his buddy yeah you know good win yeah but we should have lost and it's like. That's every week in college football, guys. Like, there's unless you're Georgia, and even Georgia has had some wobbles at times. It's it's SEC football. These these other guys are on scholarship too. Florida's not a good team this year, but they've got five wins. They have they you know they they, they beat Tennessee, um, which Missouri feels like is a big breakthrough win, crushing Tennessee. They, they've played games close. They 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 nearly beat Arkansas. In overtime, they beat South Carolina. They throttled Vanderbilt. Like these guys have legitimate track star level athlete speed on their team, whether they're good or not. And that clearly showed in this game. They had an inspired play by a quarterback. Then their backup came in and played pretty well. I mean, these guys are not just uh, mailing it in. They they're trying to get to a bowl game. They're trying to prove that their coach should be their coach moving forward. Um, I think sometimes this idea that every win needs to be pretty and every win needs to be by 30 points. It's just, it's not reality. Look across college football. We see every week. In fact, if you look at last week's scores, some of the best teams that are battling it out for playoff spots or new year's six bowl game spots had kind of ugly, but got the job done wins. And when you throw in the context, I think Mizzou was, was right, was right in that group. And, and I'm also very interested, you know, your thoughts on, on, on the Arkansas game now that it sets up because on one hand, Luther Burden's back. He's healthy. We heard from his teammates that he looks like himself. We saw it on the field. Um, and, and I think that, that that's very encouraging. Brady cook to me looked as good on that last drive as he's looked in weeks. His balls had been underthrown. They'd been a little, uh, they didn't have the same velocity. He threw some darts on that final drive. Maybe it was adrenaline, but hopefully he can, hopefully he can, he can be back and, and throw in more of those against Arkansas. Those are really good things but I'm a little worried about this defense. Arkansas is beat up. They're going to be without a couple of their best running backs, but KJ Jefferson is as much, he has as much Jaden Daniels in his game as we've seen since Jaden Daniels. And this defense, if it gets distracted by, you know, eye candy, if it's not solid up the middle at that second level with those linebackers, I thought Darius Robinson almost was spot on. He came into the post game press conference and said, look, I got to start by saying I got to be better. And then went on to specifically say, we have a running quarterback next week in KJ Jefferson. And if we're not better, that's going to be a problem. And man, if you're a coach, you love to hear a player saying that because he hadn't watched Arkansas film yet and he already knew it. Yeah. Well, and, and he should know it. He, he's faced KJ Jefferson right. a, a few times now. You know, <laughs> that he's that's that's a problem that this team is used to trying to solve. Uh, and I think part of the Arkansas dilemma goes back to what you just said about Florida, that they still have guys who are good athletes, good playmakers who are playing SEC football for a reason. Drinko's kind of made this point in his press conference yesterday that even these, you know, lesser SEC programs still have guys who are going to be playing in the NFL in a few years, right? On that Florida offense, probably at least one, maybe both of those running backs will get NFL looks, right? You know, Graham Burtz, I, I don't know. I haven't watched enough of him to say if he's an NFL guy or not, but, you know, he's a, he's a solid, experienced 
college quarterback and that wide receiver room Purcell, Eugene Wilson's only a freshman. You know, those guys are guys who will get NFL looks. Arkansas is the same way, right? KJ Jefferson is one of the most experienced. You know, he's a, he's a good college quarterback. He's in contention for that. The the running backs there, uh, you know, won't, won't be around, but like KJ Jefferson himself, he's the team's leading rusher and he's the quarterback. Now that's kind of unique because there's been running back injuries. And so it's, it's not as if he's actually really would be the leading rusher in, in a normal year, a normal situation, but that's going to be tough to contain because even, even in the Florida game, Graham Mertz, he is not a mobile quarterback. He has negative rushing yards on the season and he ran for a season high of 13 <laughs> against Mizzou, yeah, which and got it, himself it, knocked out of the game with one of the biggest truck sticks we've ever seen in the, uh, in Memorial stadium knocks down two Mizzou defenders and you go, Oh my God, he's unstoppable. And then he, I don't know if he broke his collarbone or slipped his shoulder out of place or what I haven't checked, but that was a, that was a rough, rough outcome there for Mertz, but you're right. I mean, if you got, if you, if you have functioning legs, you can run as a quarterback against this defense and, Few in the SEC have have more capabilities to do that than Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does, and and that's the challenge. Just looking at what this defense is trying to do, it's gone from earlier in this season. The concern with the Mizzou defense was the back half of it. It was it was the coverage, pass coverage, working in man, getting more zone looks, all of that. The fix to that that kind of came out in that Tennessee game was okay. Bring in the odd front three down linemen, get that extra defensive back in there. And that's great. This that suits kind of the the personnel makeup of this team. Blake Baker has a lot of really good safeties and corners in there. He wants to bring in, you know, put your best players on the field, figure out the best way to get your best 11 players on the field defensively. And that's how you do it. The problem is that that only has three down linemen. You've got your two linebackers. You probably bring down a safety into the box, but that requires some guys to do some run stopping who maybe aren't as comfortable with it, especially when it's two backup linebackers. It, that puts a lot of pressure on, on the pass rush getting to the right spot. And then even, even once they actually get to the quarterback and the quarterback floods out, that's where I feel like the bigger concern has been is when the pocket collapses and the opposing quarterback leaves the pocket, then what happens? Because the linebackers haven't always been in the right spot. Mizzou doesn't really tend to run too much spy linebacker sort of thing where somebody's responsibility is just to kind of sit around and lay in that zone. And if the quarterback might, leaves, then the you week. get him. This it, might be the week to do it. It, it might be. And I, I'd be curious to see if they do just because this is now kind of the, the Achilles heel of this defense is a mobile quarterback. So if that comes into play, the other problem has just been the the tackling. You know, there are going to be missed tackles, right? You're going against good guys. You, sometimes you have the quarterback who's willing to, he did actually break his collarbone, who's willing to break a collarbone to try to break a tackle. Sometimes that happens. And, you know, I don't think you expect that necessarily. If if you're Chuck Hicks or Ennis Rakestraw going into that tackle, that Graham Mertz is just going to do that to you. Uh, now, should he have been able to do that to them? Probably not, but I, that's that's a different debate. The, the, I think it's going to come down to the execution from a tackling standpoint of if if there's going to be a linebacker spy situation, even if there isn't, can whoever's job it is to close down space and get to KJ Jefferson before he gets to the sticks on third and seven, right? That's that's the play that's going to matter. Can you turn the scramble on third and seven from being a first down and change to getting him down three, four yards short of the sticks and forcing a punt? Uh, th those are the plays I'm I, I, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd put money on it that there will be two or three of those situations where Jefferson will look to make a huge play with his legs and, and it comes down to stopping him in those moments. There were a few moments against Florida. If they stop a quarterback scramble on a third yes. down, I don't think it's that close at the end. Florida's again, good team played well. I don't think it's as close if they do that.
Yeah, I thought their backup showed a little wiggle in his run game, and I thought that was actually kind of a difference maker for them after Mertz went out. We don't know if Tyron Hopper will play in this game. He's a questionable on the uh, on the on the list for now. Um, probably won't know until until Eli Drinkwitz uh, texts Pete Thamel late Thursday night to tell him uh, if Tyron Hopper is going to play or not. Um, but we do know Chad Bailey's out, and that's the rest of the season. Um, I think this game, if Hopper is out or limited, it's going to be a big. It's got to be a big game for Tristan Newsom. It's got to be a big game for Chuck Hicks. We said it kind of entering this game. It's different when you are thrust into the spotlight as more in a game you're winning against Tennessee versus one you're starting from zero um, in that spot against a, against an opponent at the at kickoff. Now they those guys have a little more a little more experience there. It's got to show up. With Jefferson, it's almost like you either got to get him, get to him, and get him down, or you got to contain him. The worst thing that can happen is you get pressure, he breaks it, and then and then you don't have anybody there because then you've taken their play, which could be a pass for five yards, and you've turned it into scramble, and that's where that's where he can hurt you. So either contain or get to him and get him down. Knowing what we know about Blake Baker and his uh, opinion on 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 what he likes to do, my guess would be that they're gonna get after him. And that they're going to try to make his life miserable, and that they're going to try to—they're going to say, "Okay, he's the one guy that that is has the most capability of beating us single-handedly. So let's go, let's go make his life hell." And and if that means that you you try to sack him and he gets a, a run, so be it. But we're gonna, you know, if you play if you play him like that over the course of the game, he takes more hits, it gets harder. I think they're going to come after him, but we'll be curious to see. We'll be curious to see what they do and how they feel like they can do that and if it's limited by the personnel that they have available for the game. So, look, this game, I don't – you know, Eli's going on and on about it's a rivalry. I'll say this about Eli, and I, I, I hate to do this thing where, like, everything you say about Eli Drinkwitz does as well is, like, something that Gary Pinkle used to do, but reality is Gary Pinkle did a lot of things well. And one of the things is he would make every week the biggest week to his players – and he had a narrative, he had a story to sell these players as to why this game is the biggest game. You never get caught looking ahead. Every week has its own. And I think Eli has done a good job of kind of, this is not an easy rivalry game to get your players jacked up for. Missouri's been killing Arkansas in this series. Now they haven't, the one loss they've had recently has been at Arkansas, so you lean into that, right? But I think he has done a good job of avoiding games that look flat of, of getting guys bought in for for every single game of turning the page and I think he's trying to do that really hard in this Arkansas game I think it makes a lot of sense but he's trying to fan the flames internally of this of this rivalry a little bit and there might be a more juice internally for the players for this game than there are maybe for for some of the fans because Missouri fans are used to beating Arkansas by now Arkansas fans are, are used to convincing themselves this game doesn't happen and that they should be the better team. Um, so it's, I, I do like what he's saying about leading into this rivalry, about trying to make this an important, important, you know, game for its team. And it's going to have to be because while we don't know what's going to happen with the SEC schedule moving forward, we do know that if it does go to permanent rivals that Arkansas will most likely be one of them for Mizzou, along with probably Vanderbilt and probably Oklahoma as well. So um, I, I think Eli's done doing a good job of, of trying to turn up the flame on this game with his players, because this is the last chance for a, a, a trap flat dud game. Now you don't want to go up to a bowl game and, and look flat after months of practice, but 
earn the right to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. It would be the first ever college football playoff bowl game for this program in the CFP era. It would be the one of the first things that Drinkwitz can hold up about this season that say this hasn't been done. Um, now, they've been to the Cotton Bowl before. Yeah, but this it's different. It's on a different level now that it's one of those non-playoff New Year's Six games um, and, and, and along with the other ones. So I think this is a real opportunity for this team to earn a – accomplishment that isn't them isn't us saying well this is the first time they've done this since then it'll be the first time they've done this and and that should mean something to this team and i think it does i think it does too and and that's where this game matters it's a situation where if mizzou wins they should be in a new year's six bowl but it's the committee that decides this stuff you know it's not an objective formulaic sort of thing so uh, a statement win against arkansas winning by three touchdowns that does a lot more for the resume so i think that's probably part of the, the motivational juice too um but we need we need to switch gears here to a team uh that that would not be playing in the in the basketball equivalent of a new year's six bowl if if uh, if people were picking them right now that's the mizzou men's basketball team they're uh they're at three and two on the season now last uh, last thursday get a dramatic 70 to 68 win comes down to a, a late game sean east bucket at minnesota Big win up there against the, I guess, narrow win, but but dramatic and emotionally important win against Your the Gophers. Your dad was in the house, right? Uh, he was. Well, he was. He was in in my childhood house texting oh, okay. me I during the he game. Was at yeah. The game. Okay. No, no. 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 He was. He wasn't at the game. I. I wanted to be at the game. I, I saw games in the barn when I was a kid. I, I wanted to get back up there for that one, uh, but did not. Did not make the trip. I was on the do not travel list. He um, would have been in the house if you were if you were covering the game. Yes, he would have. Okay, he would. Got have, it. Yeah. Got it. All yeah. right. Yeah. And, and what a house that is. The barn. Oh. What a well, place. You, maybe you guys can link up at the CBI or something. Yeah, there, there we go. We'll be one of the, the five fans in the house. I'll be on press row. He can sit next to me. Nobody else will be there. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so after after the Gophers win, though, the high of that, they made a mini movie and all of that. Sunday afternoon, Mizzou men's basketball comes out and loses to uh, Jackson State 73-72. Uh, Dennis Gates, after the game, called them the best 0-5 team in the country entering the game. Um some some people did some research. They were the only 0-5 team entering that game. So they, they were the best. They were also the worst 0-5 team uh, in the in the country. Um so Ben, it's it's been it's been such an uneven start oh, from a Zoom basketball. To laugh. <laughs> but uh, you know what what does is this part of the process? Is this just what this year is going to be with the with the men's team? Well, a few thoughts. Dennis sometimes needs to in my opinion that just dial back the relentless positivity a little bit um i i get on him for 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 always advocating for the you know infinity team ncaa tournament sometimes some of his takes sometimes are are not are not to me based in reality probably should have let the best zero and five team in the country line go to the cutting room floor before he, he entered the uh the press conference i don't know that the people want to want to hear stuff like that very much but it is who he is and he's never going to be critical of his team I think he believes that 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 has a, an effect, a positive effect on his team when he builds them up publicly. And, you know, he can point to last year as, as proof of that. So we'll focus on what happened actually on and what didn't happen on the floor. I felt like their win against Minnesota was both really impressive, but also very fortunate. Um, you know, the Gophers didn't just hand them the opportunity. They handed them the opportunity and then proceeded to light themselves on fire. I mean, that was the, one of the biggest meltdowns that you're going to see in college basketball and weird things happen early season college basketball weird things happen and you win a game like you did at minnesota weird things happen 
and you lose a game like you did against Jackson State. But the thing, the difference was, I didn't think the Jackson State loss was very weird. Um, they looked like the better team for the bulk of the game. They looked like they wanted it more, which Gates picked up on. And that's all he also said in the post game. You were there that they looked like they wanted it more. They had to every 50 50 ball, all of the things that Mizzou should pride itself in doing if playing the way it needs to play the way it played last year, Jackson state did better. That was, that was concerning to me. Um, this here's what I see right now. And I'm not, I'm not jumping ship on the season. I don't think right now they're a very good team, Again, early season, they're playing a harder schedule than last year. We didn't know anything about this team last year because they were playing, you know, they're doing the cupcake walk and and we didn't really learn anything until they started playing some better teams. You know, the, the UCF win, the Wichita State win, Illinois. Then we started saying, oh, this this team's got something. They're, they're playing a tougher schedule. But Jackson State wasn't supposed to be part of the tougher schedule, Eli. They, to me, their defense looks not disruptive enough um, to be as as beatable as it is last year, they didn't, they weren't a great defensive team, but they created so many steals and they created so much offense off their steals that the system worked. They are over aggressive at times, but not getting the results. And they're also just not defending well after they try to get in the passing lanes and create the steals. Um, And I just think they still look like they don't quite know who is supposed to lead, who is supposed to be the guy they they just look like a bunch of a bunch of parts that don't exactly fit together. They looked that way for a bulk of the game in in Minnesota, and then and then kind of found it for a little bit. They found a little bit of a groove, but their groove is is not easy to find. And when they don't have it, they don't look talented. They don't. They look under talented. They look under athletic. They look like they're a team that should be playing the Jackson States of the world every night. And that's that that's how they've looked too many times this season. I think it can get better. I think it can change. I think Gates needs to figure out pretty quick, like who he wants to play primarily and who he wants to lean on. I don't think he knows that yet. And you see that in his patterns. He starts John Tanjay. He starts Connor Vanover. They don't play hardly the rest of the game. So I think he's trying to figure this out. And I think they're going to have to figure it out soon or else they're going to have some losses that, that look pretty bad until they do. Yeah, there's, I think there are, there are just so many questions at, at this point. One of those being the playing time situation. Gates used 13 against Jackson State, which has kind of been the trend going forward. And, and well, in one sense, yeah, it's great that you feel you have 13 guys who deserve playing time. And then you can sit there after and say, well, there's a couple guys who maybe deserve playing time that didn't even get it. Like Mabor Majak, who Gates had, had apologized to after the opener for not getting him in the game. There's a reason you don't see more teams playing 13 guys. There's a reason you don't see... NBA teams playing 13 guys and it's because if you only if you cut it down to eight or nine you get guys in a better flow you get them more consistent looks you give them a chance to shoot out a slump sometimes you know all of those things are are valid reasons for letting guys play more instead of making a substitution and only letting a lineup run for for 45 seconds so that's that's something that needs to be ironed out the rotation it'll it'll get slimmed down in time and i think the bigger question with this team is when when is this going to kick into high gear because you can you can say the games at this point don't really matter i think the jackson state loss does matter that when one it matters comes, yeah when it, when it comes time to talk about tournament teams right. that's one that that's going to matter but here you've got south carolina state loyola maryland those are two home by games should be one and then it starts to matter i think at pittsburgh that game matters Wichita State at home, that matters. At Kansas, again, you know, 
Kansas is Kansas, but for the fans, that game matters, right? Versus Seton Hall, versus Illinois, the neutral site games, you know, neutral site in air quotes, in, in St. Louis and Kansas City, those games matter. And then you get Central Arkansas at home, okay, and you're into SEC play. The The window to figure this out is, is not going to be open for too much longer here. And I almost wonder sometimes with scheduling so many games, at this point here that Mizzou's playing more games than, than some other teams in the country are playing. And they're not doing one of these Thanksgiving week invitational tournaments, but you, you get a team like Jackson state. All you have to do is look at their stats and see that they have this guy named Ken Evans jr. Who is their scorer. He, he's the guy for Jackson state. What does that mean in the world of college basketball? Probably not much, but he's the leading scorer on Jackson state. And he manages to score 22 points against Mizzou goes nine for 16 from the field, three for six from three. Can't can't shut down Ken Evans from Jackson State. Uh, I think the the defense is is a concern at this point. Uh, I, I sit there watching and, and just wonder sometimes how Gates should be handling his size and whether putting four guards and Noah Carter on the court is enough to really contain a team defensively when you have three seven footers on the roster. Uh, I I don't know about some of the the post usage. You look at some of these college basketball teams. A lot of the best consistent college basketball teams use traditional centers. They have guys who, you know, are in that six ten to a little above seven foot range, can can bully people in the post. I'm thinking, you know, I think Luca Garza back at Iowa, Oscar Deshibwe at Kentucky, West Virginia, even Malik Snogo at UConn last year. These these teams tend to do that. And and Mizzou doesn't hasn't had somebody of that kind of build, whatever you want to call it, since Jeremiah Tillman. And, you know, Connor Vanover isn't that. He's a different type. Jordan Butler isn't that. He's a different type. But having someone who can be a low post presence, I think, matters. It mattered against Jackson State when they had Butler and Vanover in the game. Jackson State wasn't going to the rim as much, especially in transition. You get them to kind of slow down the transition possession and not take the layup that, that comes with that because they know they're going to get swatted. There's just, there's there's so many, whether it's John Tonchi or Caleb Grill, it, it probably has to be, uh, in an or not an and situation with them at a certain point in the season there's just there's so many rotational things to work out can can Sean East and Nick Honor is them playing together all the time the answer there, there's still so many questions uh and and I just am wondering when the time where those answers will come out is yeah there's a lot of uh I don't know that there's I don't know if I buy the theory that you can have too many players um the too many really good players I, I, I kind of argue against that I think in this case right now, we're wondering if Mizzou has too many overlapping players. Um, they may, they don't have a, they don't have a Caleb. They don't have a Kobe Brown, unfortunately. And they don't have it. I don't think they have it. At least so far, they don't have a Des Moines Hodge. So with those guys were there and you could pretty much count on them every night, it was much easier to fill in the pieces around them and they could change. But when you don't have someone in those two spots, then it, trying to fill those two spots every night when you don't know who it can be, that's a lot harder. And it's, 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 it's nice in reality to say, well, just kind of use the hockey lines and throw a bunch of guys at it and somebody will grab it. Well, if somebody doesn't, you lose to Jackson state. Um, and, and I want, I, I've, I got some other observations then I want to zoom out a little bit. Cause I don't want to just seem like we're, 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 we're totally down on this team because I don't think we know enough about this team yet. And I don't think the coaching staff knows enough about this team yet. And that's, that's maybe not part, that's maybe part of the problem. Um, but it's not an, un, maybe not an unfixable part of the problem. They're turning the ball over too much. 
um, they're not getting enough off of the turnovers they create. It scares me that they're actually shooting the three pretty well. It would be it would be a lot easier to say this is fine. They're going to be okay. They just got their, the shots will fall and they will. But they're actually not like making a huge percentage less of three point attempts than they did last year when they were the best. Thirty four percent so far. Not from three for the whole team for the whole team. And, and not that's not that's that's like middle of the pack SEC now. But that was like leading the pack of the SEC last year. A little bit better than that they were, but not. It's not like as if they're they're shooting half of what they did last year or not attempting them. Like that's part of their game, and they're actually for the most part doing that. And they're still losing to Jackson State. That's concerning. Get to the free throw line. Like that to me is something that they've done. They've got to do. They're 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 last in the conference in getting to the free throw line. They've done it. They've only attempted sixty nine free throws. Alabama has attempted one twenty four, leading the conference. That's what you got to do when you're tr- struggling to score, struggling to get offense. Attack, get to the line, get fouled, make free throws. That opens things up to have better looks. That that means you're getting into the paint, that you're getting layups, getting dunk attempts. That's got to be a key part of this team's game a little bit. You want to make the threes, yeah, but you also want to get easy looks at the bucket, get those get those easy looks at the free throw line. That, to me, is, is a number that is jumping out right now. Um, and then I'll say this, and this might be premature. Sometimes when you go heavy on the transfer portal, you hit. Missouri, Missouri did it last year, and they took off like a rocket. Sometimes you go heavy on a transfer portal, you don't hit on enough, and it and it and it shows. Conzo Martin got fired because of that happened to him in his final year. Here's the difference: Conzo didn't have the recruiting behind it, the high school recruiting behind it that made everybody really excited. So he had hit, he had missed on the transfers, and the high school recruiting wasn't in a great spot. Um, at the time, Aiden Shaw was what he had left. And I'm not talking about Gates being on the hot seat. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just saying, I think when you analyze this team, you have to do it on two levels. One, understanding that the transfer portal is so hit and miss. Um, guys, sometimes guys jump up to a different level or jump to a different school and they thrive. Sometimes it takes a while. But I think it's it's really important now more than ever that Gates has recruited a really good high school class, incoming freshmen on this team that are talented. We see their talent. They're going to have growing pains. But I wonder if this season, if more losses like this happen, if this season doesn't turn into tilting toward those guys playing more, those guys getting experience, because the class that comes behind it is the highest-ranked class in Mizzou basketball of freshmen since Mizzou basketball started caring about recruiting, and we all knew what what recruiting services and sites were. So I think it's really good that he's he's blended all of this recruiting People shouldn't be, you know, if this is a if this is a transition season, then the reality is everybody thought last year was going to be that, and maybe last year wasn't because the transfer portal hit, and maybe this year is more of that because the transfer portal didn't hit. At some point in time, this team's fate is going to be written on the high school guys that Gates recruits and has for three to four seasons, two to three to four seasons, and then the the transfer portal will be a supplementing factor to that, not the bulk of how the roster is built every season. And now that the COVID eligibility is out and is phasing out, it's going to get back to how do you recruit high school players and develop them. And I think he's poised really well to do that. If And it's too early to say, Eli, but if this season continues to trend in this direction, the best thing to do might be to play the young guys. It might be. And, and because there are there are multiple ways this roster can go. There, there really are. So, Ben, we're running out of time, so we want to – Okay, yeah, we got our, our, our super three. What's it called? Yes, the, the quick three, quick three. Okay. Pull up three. We're still that, – that, the name may change, but that's what it's, that's what like it's it. at for now. Yeah, okay. The first one, it's still on Mizzou basketball, and it's still about the Jackson State loss, and then we can move on from it. Which was a worse loss for Mizzou men's basketball? The loss to Jackson State on Sunday, or when the men's team lost 68-60 to to Charleston Southern in December 2019? 
Oh, there th- to me, there's three. There's those two, and then there's the UMKC loss. That, uh, that, that one was, too. Those, the, that, those to me are the trifecta. I don't have the net rankings in front of me, but uh, I, I will, I will, I will put those three in a bundle, uh, and I think one belonged to each coach too. So uh, maybe, maybe, hopefully for Gates, this is the worst loss of of the Gates era, and one that uh, is is quickly remembered as as trivia, not much more. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, which is harder for opposing defenses to stop? Cody Schrader on a stretch play or Luther Burden running any sort of route that goes up the seam? Oh my God. Um, well, I, I would say, I would say Cody Schrader, just because the fact that there's, there's fewer things that can go wrong. Um, it's just a simple handoff and then he goes. And it, what I love about Cody is he's, he's kind of got that Pacheco thing going and Pacheco thing going for the chiefs where even on a failed play, he's going to get three yards and, and three yards isn't a bad play. So uh, Luther, Luther on fourth down, though, probably the one player that I feel most confident is going to get the job done. Absolutely. He's, he's kind of Kelsey-esque in that aspect that he's just he's going to be open somewhere for you. And, uh, he, then and, our... and, and his physicality to me this year is he deserves to be the Belitnikoff Award finalist. His physicality, his ability to take hits and deliver hits and hold on to the ball despite um, despite you know getting getting drilled. That to me is, is something that he's really shown in his game this year. It goes underrated. He's he's not just a, a juke guy or, or agility right. guy or speed guy or anything. There's there's a physicality. All right, our last quick three. What is your ideal bowl game and opponent for Mizzou football? Heading oh, into man, this last I'm glad game you asked. I, I, I meant to say this during our football talk. I People might say this is unoriginal. Um, I've seen some folks say that we feel like we've done that before. Um, they want to go out west or play Washington. I, I think a Cotton Bowl appearance against Texas would be huge because of the under – under kind of understory Texas coming back to the SEC you know any game against the Longhorns is going to move the needle for Mizzou fans there's a huge alumni base of Mizzou folks in Dallas and I think uh, the fact that Texas is joining the conference and also the Longhorns are not probably going to be a permanent opponent to to get that game in I think would be um would be a good one Missouri needs to play Missouri needs to want to play a Texas needs to want to play a Washington. You don't want to get stuck. No offense to the two lanes of the world. That's like a hard to win bowl game. Even if you win, um, they, they want to play a big brand. I think in this bowl game to feel like they can make a statement. I think so too, because that's a, that's a game regardless of what happens that is talked about years from now of, yep. I remember when there was the cotton bowl against Texas, the other matchup that that's, that's my, pick two of a game that I want to cover I think also just I've seen uh, Fiesta Bowl versus Washington thrown out again it's you know it's star power against star power that sort of game is something that I think this team wants to see last yeah. thought on on the bowl game and we'll talk we'll do a bowl bowl podcast I'm sure but at least one uh, multiple but I like Mizzou's chances of having a really good representation for their bowl game especially if they take care of the business at Arkansas there are a lot of guys on this team who have talked a lot about what it would mean to them to win a bowl game there are a lot of guys on this team who are going to be back next season and and won't be chasing that NFL dream just yet Um, especially on the offensive side I like their chances of having their main guys there and and ready in the bowl game and and the bigger bowl game you play in New Year's Six bowl game less likely that uh, players are going to opt out because they know that teams are going to be watching. And I think fans will show up too. Five straight home sellouts, I think, indicates that there is some interest in showing up to see this team play in person. So I think when with the Cotton Bowl, don't assume that it would be full of that ugly color of orange down there. I think there'd, I think there'd, there'd be a, a fair share of black and gold too. So, all right, Ben, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Thanks to y'all who have, who have stuck with us and listened to this. We do appreciate when you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.